Welcome to another edition of the 49er Goldcast. San Francisco, are you ready? Boom! Welcome to another edition of the 49er Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And no esteemed co-host in two spirit. weeks in a row. He's with us in spirit. He is with us in spirit. We miss you a lot, Old Man Davis. Old Man Davis will be returning week three of preseason. We will get Old Man Davis back. But for now, it's the Solis Brothers, the 49er faithful here, live and direct in stereo. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, okay, here we go. So, Stereo podcast. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Michael Rappaport. Uh, so here we go. Uh, week one of the preseason is in the books. And uh, we learned a lot about, at least about the playing mechanics. As as you know, Faithful, it doesn't really matter who wins these games. Really what we're looking for, um, and I, I speak for the both of us, we're really looking for how players are playing how they're reacting to just basic drills. I mean, they're basically going through really basic plays out there. And I'm just looking at how their mechanics are working, how they're playing, how's their athleticism, how is their reaction to the speed of the game, both on offense and defense. And um, I think we learned a lot. Uh, First off, from me, the first thing, uh, let's let's just throw it out with the negative. Uh, Number one, I was a little worried about Blaine's throwing mechanics he seemed off uh there were really basic passes that he was attempting and he was struggling with them and what really what the reason this kind of freaked me out ray is because i saw kaepernick do this two years ago and have a horrible season i ha- i saw him messing up with some of the same basic throws so this i he felt was, like he, he was, was very jittery up. I don't know if it was jittery nerves because it's like he he got the spotlight. Cap's not even in the picture at this point, and and even though it's preseason, it's you're still vying for a roster spot, and you're actually vying for the most important roster spot on the entire team. So I don't know if that had something to do with it, but either way, you've been in the league for several years now, so you need to come to terms with this, you know, because he he talks the talk very well. He's very confident. He's very sophisticated and articulate when he talks to the press you get the impression that he's psychologically prepared but i just didn't see that in the first like two series that he played he seemed to get it together a little bit later similar to kaepernick rushing the ball seemed to put him at ease and and give him a little bit of confidence and make him feel like he was uh, contributing to the game and then you saw a little bit more confidence when he came back to the throwing but I have to admit, it's still preseason. I mean, it's the first freaking plays of the season. We have it is. so much football. Grain of salt. Grain of salt. I mean, because Chip Kelly's offense is less about pass and more about um, a balance between run and pass. Mm-hmm. So it's all about rhythm, uh, a stab getting familiar with you know live game time so that's part of it too we have a brand new system that's being implemented here so so now we've been practicing in training camp we've been practicing against our own defense now for the first time we get our live taste of it against another NFL defense a team that and, and all of this is going to be is all all of this is live this is on TV this is this is real time there are no take backs any decision that you make 
is going to have a lasting impression on the plays proceeding. So the stakes are higher for sure. And so this is the first time. So perhaps there was some jitters there. I don't necessarily think it should be excused. But at the same time, we got to take it with a grain of salt because it is exhibition. And exhibition is the least important for most of the number ones, um, with the exception to the quarterback role this time around and a few of the other roles like on offensive line. We don't know who the main three backs are, though. It looks like right now the lead is between uh, Hyde, Drone, and Mike Davis in that order. So, But uh, there's, but there's a lot of takeaways. It wasn't thoroughly impressed with receivers didn't see a whole lot happen there it happened later later in the game but again those are third teams fourth teams so the the opposition that they're dealing with is much less than so obviously there's going to be a there's going to be a difference in talent so we saw that in the second half but didn't see much of it in the first half so it's it's hard to you know, there's still a lot to work out, and it's. I'm not saying that people should be disappointed, but you should be observant of some of these things because this is all going to eventually have to come together. You know, in in September. Well, see, and that's what I'm talking about. It was. It felt a little Colin Kaepernick-ish, and it made me nervous because I remember the first year we started seeing this happen, which was, I believe, uh, it, Harbaugh's last year. And everyone was saying, oh, you know, Cap looked a little rough, but we kept saying, oh, it's preseason, who cares, it's preseason, who cares, it's preseason. And something, something, our father, Rudy Solis Jr. said, something very, very important that has become my mantra about preseason is that you can, you can look great in the preseason and play great in the regular season. You can look great in the preseason and play far worse in the regular season. But here's the one thing you can't do. You can't look terrible in the preseason and then play great in the regular season. That just doesn't really happen. That's not something that happens. You, you, if you are struggling in preseason, you are not going to turn it up against the pros, against the starters on all these teams, especially in a, in a division like the NFC West. Right. See, you know, so when we saw Cap struggling – with some really basic quarterback mechanics in the preseason, you know, everyone was cause for alarm. But we're the 49er faithful. We even talked about a little bit on, on that first year of the gold cast that we were like, Oh, not a big deal. You know, it's preseason, you know, he's just kind of working out some kinks, but boy, did all of that come back to rear its ugly head and bite us in the ass for the rest of the season. So it, I know it's just the first quarter. It, it's just getting some of those jitters out. But I had my doubts about Blaine Gabbert last year. I, you know, if you look, his his interception uh, rate, his interception numbers went up as the season went on. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if either of these quarterbacks are the answer. But it just made me nervous to see Blaine Gabbert missing on some basic passes. And hopefully it's nerves. And hopefully next week we're going to get a much calmer Blaine Gabbert and we're going to get a more focused Blaine Gabbert. I thought Eric Davis said something um, pretty poignant on the NFL Network today after the, in the postgame review. He said that this job, in his opinion, is is basically it's Blaine Gabbert's to keep, but he's not making it easy for anybody in terms of the decision, the way he played today. And I agreed with that. I thought that was a, a, fair, a, fair, a fair statement. Yeah, he um, could have really drove uh... – a dagger into the lead, the narrow lead that he has right now. But instead, he just kind of going to probably have coaches scratching his head if it continues. And if 
if Cap does the same or if it does if he does better, then then yeah, he's gonna lose outright. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I want him to lose, you know, I want the best player to earn the spot. So it yes. doesn't matter. Whether that's Cap, great. If it's if it's not, great. If it's Gabbert, awesome. If it's not Gabbert, awesome. It doesn't matter. Whoever's the better player needs to be there. So there's no like, well, he's getting eleven million, so he needs to be there. No, I'm gonna I'm a fan, so I'm gonna put the finances aside because they don't apply to me as a fan. What applies to me is the result of the game and who's who's putting us in the best position to win. Yes, 100%. I agree 100%. So let's start talking about some of the positives, though, because there were a lot. I feel like there were a lot of positives coming out of that first and second quarter. Uh, totally. For me, it really has to come down to defense because the only score that the Texans acquired in the first half was by f- by fault of the offense. So the offense was very, very shaky. Um, it did come together at one point, but... Uh, it did kind of look a little reminiscent of last year, albeit the offensive line played a, a lot better. Um, you know, and anything that we saw at this point was going to more more off, more likely look far better than what what we saw last year in the offensive mm-hmm. line. But for me, it was defense, um, and the defense, with with the exception of the offensive fumble that led to a touchdown, the defense was uh, shut them out. And once again, this looks like it might be another one of those years where the defense kind of carries the team. We'll just see how well the offense comes together because it's only been one game. It's a new scheme. Everybody loves it. I like it. I like the pace of it. It's it it's not as like eat up time as as people think it is because the scoring drive. Here's the one thing to pay attention to: that scoring drive that was an 80 yard drive and that took up over four minutes. So it took up nearly a third of a quarter just to pull off. Mm. So so keep that in mind, all, all the, the naysayers that like to say Kelly's up-tempo offense does not utilize clock time. It really does because it's a balance. When you're throwing and running at the same time, you're more than likely going to be eat up a lot, a lot of clock time. What's going to make things – what's going to make the opposite of that is very successful plays. So if the defense doesn't do their job and allows 30, 40 – 40-yard gains, then yeah, sure, you're going to lose up a lot of time. But that's no fault of the offense. That's the fault of the defense that's supposed to be stopping us. Mm-hmm. And to be what honest, you, I don't want them that, to do that. <laughs> exactly. What, what, did, what did you think about that secondary? Because you have often talked about Jim O'Neill's uh, work with the secondary. What, how did you think about that secondary play out there today? I thought that they looked pretty good. I thought it was great. It was great. No picks, but I'm sure those, those, will, come, those will come. You know, the picks – Picks are so hard to come by already because you, the the cornerback is here's the thing we got to keep in mind the cornerback position is the second hardest position to play next to the quarterback because you're supposed to know almost as much as the quarterback outside of every other position so it's a really tough role you 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 don't know where the receiver is going you know the receiver knows where he's supposed to go so you have your speed has to be your best friend cuz you have to keep pace with this guy you have to cut when he cuts you have to turn when he turns you have to spin when he spins and you have to jump when he jumps so it's a very instinctual position so these are some of the most athletic positions on the entire team so what i saw from them and again the reason why i like what i saw because this is jim o'neill's specialty this is his specialty sure he helped the bills lead the league in sacks the year he was there but he also his his real bread and butter is secondary this is where he excels he did he 
made improvements with the Jets. He made improvements with the Browns. And I saw a lot of improvement with the Niners. Jimmy Ward looks lightning fast, yeah. faster than he did last year. I mean, he was going toe-to-toe with Hopkins. He, he couldn't even get anything, barely anything. I don't think he got, uh, I don't think he got anything, did he? Let me see here. Uh, no, he did not. Oh. Well, actually, no. Hopkins is their best receiver was Strong, Blennard, Humphrey, Frederick Hunts, Stephen Tyler Fuller. So I don't know where I'm even getting the name Hopkins. Maybe I heard it on the on the commentary. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. The point is Ward played <laughs> Ward played really well. Um, some of the, the the third and fourth stringers did not play very well. I saw a lot of missed tackles, missed blitzes. Oh, yeah. um, it was That's pretty sloppy. sloppy. Got really sloppy in the second half. But then again, this is third team, fourth team. These are guys that will end up being practice squad or cut. You know, you got to remember this half half these guys are going to get cut at the end of the yeah. day. So, yeah, sure. Um, I really like the defense. The defense is going to carry us a lot. I want to see a little bit more from the pass rush. I want to see a little bit more from the middle linebacker group. It seems like the defensive line is going to be kind of the star pass rushers this time around yes versus the way it was um in the harbaugh era where the linebackers were those players so this is gonna the front seven still gonna be very good but i think it's going to be carried by the defensive line Mm -hmm. versus the linebackers and then the secondary will be the next tier to really lead that group Mm -hmm. now let's talk about the group that i uh was very impressed yeah who stood out to you so who stood out to me, I agree with the, all your sentiments 100%, but who really, the people who stood out to me, the players that stood out to me today were the running backs and the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed. Mike Davis, oh man, they said that he had lost some weight. I mean, he was so fast. I thought he was ag- fast before too. Me too. He was aggressive. I really think that what they have to do, the key to this season, and it sounds like from everything we're reading, this is where they're going to go. The key to this season is running back by committee. You've got to you, – you cannot put all of the toll on Carlos Hyde. It's too much. We're, all, we're not really sure if his body can even handle it. And with so many good running backs back there, there's no reason to. There's no reason whatsoever. I like the idea of Carlos Hyde, Mike Davis, and Sean Drone being the, the running backs that carry the team. And I think that there is so much talent between the three of those guys. I was so impressed. They played hungry. They played hard. They, it, it looked like all three of them were fighting for the starting job. Like they wanted it and they wanted it bad. And I was very impressed with their, uh, with their level of play. Yeah, that's the trio that I really see, and rightfully so. They played in the exact order, although I might even say Mike Davis has got a little bit more oomph in his step over Sean Drone. And, yes, but he, I agree with that. He's a little bit more explosive. That was evident. But again, you know what I mean? We're all seeing this in live for the first time. The, I mean, the coaches are seeing this live for the first time just as we are. So they're getting this, they're having the same, you know, evaluating epiphanies that, that we're having now to a, to a large degree. Um, and some of this they've already probably anticipated too with the practice and stuff. But it's all, it's all tinkering. It's all science. It's all trying to work out the kinks, finding out which formula – works out the best but yeah for me i agree with you too that uh those three are very good um mike davis is lightning he's uh he's got he's very explosive almost as explosive as carlos hyde carlos hyde is a mixture of you know uh that fast he's he's fast but it's it's uh it's a different type of speed because it's a it's a he's a hybrid of speed and power because he can he can pummel you and drones got power too um don't get me wrong so it was it was really good to see. The offensive line looks great. I think they're going to have some good, tough decisions to make, which, by the way, is a quality problem. 
You know, if, if you're going to have problems, you want good, there's good problems and there's bad problems. If you can't figure out who's the, you know, if you have more than one player that's making a point or making a case to start on your offensive line, that's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Definitely agreed. Uh, yeah, I thought the I thought the running backs were great. I thought the O line was did a much much better job than before. I think there's a lot of things to be excited about. Just seeing that I think there's this is even as early as preseason. It's an obvious upgrade from where we were last year. And I would say, um, looking, you know, possibly, you know, maybe an upgrade from the year before because we weren't that great in Harbaugh's last year either. So you know that 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 we was weren't, but but the team was deteriorating at that point. It was, it was, and it was, you know, it was time for, it was time for the inevitable blow up and reboot that we are in now. It's a young team. I'm excited to see where they go. I think that they played very well for just opening day. Again, I am still worried about Blaine Gabbert. Let me ask you this. With Colin Kaepernick injured and on the sideline, how much, how, how open is this door for, for Blaine Gabbert right now? I think it's wide open. The question is, is he going to take advantage of it? Because, you know, it didn't seem like he, it seemed like nerves got the best of him this, this day. Because it's not like, this is how it's nerves. You know, it's one thing if you don't have the skill set. We know he has the skill set. Yes. So it's like, now let's put him in an environment where he can utilize those skill sets. So there was one pass in the second series where he threw to the feet. Uh, I think it was DeAndre White. I'm not entirely sure. It's irrelevant who he was throwing to. The point is he threw low, and he did have pressure coming his way, but it was the same side. So, so when the blitz is coming from that side, you know the blitz is coming from that side. You, the, the good quarterbacks in the NFL will take advantage of it by throwing the ball to the receiver that that guy would normally be covering. So you, you, that's why it's a risk. The defense is taking a risk to say, we're going to leave this guy free, but this guy's going to get to the quarterback before he throws the ball off. And he was coming off of Blaine Gabbert's blind side because Gabbert is right-handed. So that's the other advantage, too. You, he, he needs more time to look that way and throw that way than he would if he was already, if it was coming from his right. It was coming from his left. So he looks, stepped, he had, didn't have time. And what does he do? He underthrows it. Why? Yeah. Psychologically, he got psyched out. He got he was thinking of the hit coming in, which which by the way, Kaepernick is allergic to this too for some yes. for reason. A lot of quarterbacks are. It's it's scary out there. These these guys are over two hundred pounds. If they hit you, you know, it's it's not gonna feel good. But at the same time, the good quarterbacks persevere and say, Screw it, it's not about me, it's about the play. And and he did he did not do that. And and he, I mean he picked it up in the second half, but I mean four for ten, come on. And granted, there's going to be games where he's going to be like that too. And the question is, will he have the wherewithal and the fortitude to kind of come out of that when he needs to? I was, yes, agreed. I was impressed with his ability to get some yards with with his feet and keep fighting. And I thought that was good. I liked, I'm impressed with his athleticism. I'm impressed with his fight and his grit, but I am nervous about, about his psychological gameplay, and I'm nervous about those mechanics. Those are basic throws. Those were basic, basic throws. They went out there and said, all right, we're just going to do some basics right now. A couple slants, you know, just some basic passes. And it was it was not a good opening. And obviously, if we see it, the coaching staff sees it, you know Blaine Gabbard sees it. So hopefully this week is the is a, is a bounce-back week. He can learn from that, look at the right. tape, and then we come out much more, much more confident, much more prepared, and ready to really prove that – he 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 deserves a starting job. Yeah, and and here's the thing: 
you mentioned something earlier that really stood out to me. You said he felt most comfortable when he was running the ball himself because mm-hmm. when you're very in that – Kaepernick. Yes, very Kaepernick-like. And to be honest, this even goes beyond – this This pre, pre uh, predates Kaepernick. This is the Steve Young syndrome. When Steve Young first – who we're going to talk about later, by the way. But when Steve Young first came on the scene, he did not trust his receivers, didn't trust his throwing talent as he eventually come, came to, to do. But the But when he didn't do that, what did he do? He tucked the ball and he ran because he knew – that if he had the ball and he was controlling the situation, he could at least get some yardage on the ground with his feet versus his hand. It wasn't until he's matured into the throwing role that he won six passing titles in a row. But so that's why it's the Steve Young syndrome, where you don't trust your 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 you're lacking confidence in your throwing ability, and you also don't trust your receivers on the other end. And so what do you do? You take it on yourself, and you say, "Well, I know I can get it done with my legs, and I know that's a surefire thing, you know, because I have the ball, so I'm just going to do that." Mm-hmm. And so once once these two if these two guys can learn how to separate the two, then you know sky's the limit. You know, but but it's hard because in this NFL era where legs are are now kind of uh, a standard, like you got to have some running power. That you know the the classic drop back quarterback like a Tom Brady or a Dan Marino. That those guys are few and far between. Um, now now pretty much all quarterbacks have some running ability, and it's the ones who can learn how to hone the passing side of it that really become great not just good great you know yeah Aaron Rodgers is a wonderful example of a guy who can who can beat you with his legs and isn't afraid to beat you with his legs but his mastery of the pocket is what truly separates him from the rest of the league yeah and and he he figured it out early to be honest and he actually waited three years before he even got the opportunity Steve Young had to wait too and still needed time to mature it only yes. took him a couple years but he, he had he had to do it so, okay, so here, here's a question, Raymond. So do you feel like, I mean, I think Jared Goff uh, on Saturday, I mean, he, the, how much they kicked his ass left and right is another great example of the question I'm about to ask you. Do you think that perhaps, I mean, are, are, is it just too much pressure on, on these young quarterbacks? Is just the game just too fast? What do you think? Uh, I think it's a combination of, of both. It's a combination of transitioning from the college level to the pro level. To be honest, Jared Goff, everyone thinks he's going to be the next, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, I don't see that. I don't, I'm not saying he's overrated. I just think that the, the, an, the anticipatory predictions are, are a little premature. Yes. Because this guy, if, if he puts it, put it in another year at college, then I think those predictions are a little bit more, there's a little bit more merit behind him. Because it's like, he's, he's had a little bit more polish in the oven, but now he's, he's coming a year, a year prematurely, and he's coming into a league where doesn't necessarily have the best offensive line, doesn't necessarily have a great core of receivers. His defense has been depleted of its its potent veterans. So this team is, even though they were seven and what seven and nine last year, which they've been for the entire time of Jeff Fisher's run. Yeah, Jeff Fisher is terrific at winning half the games of the season. If you want to win half of the games of the season, that's the guy you hire. There's no one more <laughs> consistent than Jeff Fisher. He's terrific at it. If you want to look amazing in your own division and mediocre in every other division, Jeff Fisher's your guy. Jeff Fisher's your guy. Yeah, that's that's the pitch. Be like, how many games? Well, we we're hoping to win at least half. I know the perfect coach. <laughs> So, so yeah, I think it's a combination of a he's just not ready, and b it's it's just it's a huge rude awakening when because you're coming from D one in your junior year, not D one in your senior year. 
mm-hmm. you know, where, where you're playing with, you know, the most polished guys of your class. You know, everyone still has a year more to go. So, and a lot of guys do that. It's not like he's a, an exception to the rule. A lot of guys go prematurely. You know, it's, it's hard to, you know, I, it's, I, it'd be hard for me to turn down that money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some mm-hmm. guys don't do that. Look what happened though. Peyton Manning said, no, I'm going to wait another year. You know, look how that turned out. Turned out pretty damn good. <laughs> right. You know, um, so, but here's the thing. He's going to go through growing pains. He's not going to just come out and kick the league's ass. You know what I mean? There's even, uh, that's a once in a generation quarterback that can do that. And it's yeah. very rare. And what's his name? With the Colts. Uh why can't I not remember his name? The Colts quarterback. Andrew Luck? Yes, Andrew Luck. I mean, that was a guy that I knew was gonna come out because he had he was gonna come out and play well, but even that, even his first year, he threw as many picks as he did touchdowns, if not yes. more picks. He was yeah. terrible. He was terrible. His touchdown to interception ratio was terrible. It was like fifty fifty. So you know, he still had great instincts and, you know, and he played four, four full years in college. So he had a lot of polish. So a lot of that prediction was was well received. Even I bought into that. It's like, you know, I kind of can see that he's also coming into a, a pretty decent team that's that has, you know, uh, some good pieces in place already. They just need to, you know, patch up some holes and then they should be good to go, which they've shown, you know, he's been to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So last year was a disaster. But, uh, you know, before that, he was in the playoffs two years in a row. So yeah, he was also injured last year. No, yeah, you know, he was beat up. They yeah, they were all beat hurt. up. Um, they were. They were just injury. Is is one of those injury seasons happens to every team. It's just it's just particularly devastating when it's a multitude of players like it was mm-hmm. with the, for the Colts. But in Andrew in Goff's case, you know, say what you want. You know, and we're we're gonna have we're gonna have our other member Lou Louie on. Not not. Uh, Maybe week three, maybe week four. I I know by the end of preseason, we'll definitely be getting Louie, our resident Los Angeles Rams fan, onto the gold Because he can speak more. I'd like to hear his opinion, too. This is what's my – he's pretty analytical, too, like me. So there's some similarity in how we view the game. So I think logically he'll kind of see some of the things I'm seeing, but he'll also add his own two cents on on what he's seen, too. Because remember, he's he's paying as much attention to the Rams as we are to the Niners. I'm not necessarily following Goff. I'm kind of loosely following, you know, and kind of gathering information from what you tell me or what the the news says or what I see on NFL Network while waiting to hear Niner news. Yes, exactly. So it's not necessarily that I'm intentionally doing it. But, I mean, I can tell you right off the bat, just in a nutshell, kind of reiterating again he's just not ready no he's not and we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see what happens in in the regular season with him gabbert and kaepernick now let me think about what you said you you can't play bad in preseason expect to do good in the regular season so it doesn't go that direction this isn't looking too well for golf so far so far, so we'll we'll see what the next game brings. You know, because I'm sure Rams pundits would say the same thing about Blaine Gabbert. Uh, do you think Colin Kaepernick is going to get some reps? Is he going to be able to play? Yeah. So they're going. So it depends on his health because he's got this unexpected injury, and it's just from him just not being in rhythm. He's just out of rhythm. So his muscles are out of. Well, they talked about of, how skinny he looked, and he did. Yeah, look and he's skinny. and he's out of that muscle memory rhythm. So he has to reestablish that, which is why his arm kind of tightened up a bit because he just hasn't been throwing at all. He hasn't been doing anything for months. You got to remember that. That's why he lost all. I mean, when I say you, I mean like fans. You guys got to keep that in mind that Kaepernick hasn't been doing this for months. And he, that's why he looks skinny, skinny because he lost a bunch of muscle because he couldn't do anything. Three surgeries, you know, three different areas on your body. Yeah, sure. You know, anyone's going to lose weight at that point. So I think he's going to get some start time, but it really depends on how this week 
turns out. He might mm-hmm. they might flip flop and say, "All right, we're, let's get Cap looks good this week. Let's give him a go." But they might play it safe and give it give another one to Gabbard. I would not be surprised either way. I wouldn't be surprised either way too. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, weeks two and three and seeing more and more of the starters. And then of course, I mean, I know you. I I just cannot wait till September twelfth. I cannot wait. Yes, that's when it all comes down. Because you know, we saw the first half of this preseason. That's somewhat of a glimpse into what we can expect. Albeit, I expect it to be a lot more polished than what we saw today. Mm-hmm. Just because these guys have bought into the system, they're into this. They're really into it. That's what the consensus has been between interviews. Uh, that's been the feedback from players to coaches, and that's what the reporters have been telling all of us. So. This is and, and when everybody's buying in like that, it all comes together a lot easier. It's easier for things to gel. So I expect it to be a lot more polished when it when September twelfth comes along. I agree. Now let's looking ahead just slightly. We we keep teasing about uh, picks. We're not going to do our our early predictions. We're going to do all that. We're saving that for the end of preseason. But they did talk about the first five weeks of the 49ers regular schedule. So I want to just take a sneak peek. I don't want us to pick, but I just want to comment on what it looks like because it is fucking brutal <laughs> pardon my language we are at week one rams at home monday night boom espn big game week two at carolina against the panthers followed by week three at seattle against the seahawks cowboys at home cardinals at home that is a who's who of, <laughs> that's a of, horseshit schedule <laughs> Man, like, you know, and it's. I get it. Listen, it. In case, in case you guys haven't noticed by now, the San Francisco 49ers are a major, major money draw for the NFL. There's a reason we were on prime time on Sunday, the last NFL preseason game of Week One. There's a reason we're in that slot. There's a reason why every time you see a video game or any type of large NFL commercial, you see the 49ers SF emblem somewhere at the front. There is a reason every single time we are front and centers. It's us. The reason you see all the teams that you see, and there's a reason you don't see some other teams. <laughs> yeah, here's who you always see. You always see the 49ers. You always see the Cowboys. You always see the Packers and the Giants and a lot of times the Patriots. You know, like those are right. like the five and, who, and whoever won the most recent Super Bowl. Exactly. Like, but you're always going to see those five teams. You're going to see the, the Cowboys. You're going to see the Giants. You're going to see the Niners. You're going to see the Packers. And then you'll all, you know, you'll see the Bears a lot too. Bears is another one yeah. that is very common. You know, so those are those five or six teams. There's a reason I was, I was talking about that earlier. I was like, you know, why we're the last team playing in preseason because we're the best because we're the 49ers. You save the okay. best for last. Save the best for last. There's a reason we are the opening Monday night game against the Los Angeles Rams because we're the best. Yeah, that's weren't we, weren't we the first Monday night game last year too? I believe so. And actually, we've we wasn't had that, it, was, it was against Minnesota, wasn't it? It was even yes. our Week One game. Um, Candlestick Candlestick Park had the record for most Monday night games of all time. Uh, the the 49ers have played more Monday night games. I don't know. If, actually, I don't know if it's Candlestick. I, know, I believe it was Candlestick. I don't know. Similar to Rapport, we don't fact check anything on this uh, on this podcast. Uh, I believe it, we had more Monday night games than any other stadium was Candlestick because we're the best. 
Mm-hmm. And because we're a huge moneymaker draw. Like, I mean, it's we're one of the premier franchises of the league. It's why we're in these spots. Have so, been for decades. For decades. So here we are, these first five. And that's another reason why we're playing all these teams is, well, A, two of these teams are in our division. But B, the 49ers are just a huge draw. It's just one of those teams. It's the way, similar to the Cowboys, whether it's a good season or bad season, people want to see the 49ers. So it does not surprise me that you've got Rams, Panthers, Seahawks, Cowboys, Cardinals. But Raymond, that is so brutal. Yes. <laughs> They're just killing us. They front-loaded. They just front-loaded our first, the first half of the season with just everybody, man. And they, 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 we have the hard, they mentioned this on NFL Network, we have the hardest schedule uh, of, of the entire league. And I mean, the second half doesn't get easier, but I'm not even going to get into it. But I just want to hear some of your thoughts about it without any picks, just your thoughts on those first five weeks, uh, five weeks of death. I think it's bullshit. That's what I think. <laughs> I think it's, it's, uh, it's rough. It's like, it's like, Hey, I don't care. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's very indicative of how the NFL is to, to rookie players coming into the league it is unforgiving and it's doesn't matter doesn't matter how good you were in college how bad you were in college doesn't matter doesn't matter what what your projected talent's going to be the nfl is going to hit you like a steam uh, a steam train you know it's just going to hit you hard doesn't matter what so it doesn't matter whether the league you know it's like I don't care if you're rebuilding. You're still gonna play. You still have to play somebody, you know. So mm-hmm. you're gonna play. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get those growing pains out of your real. I mean, here's the good oh, part. Yeah. We're gonna get all that pain out early. Oh yeah, everyone's gonna grow up fast. Yes. So, final segment of the evening. The last thing we I want to talk about is a player that I know is near and dear to your heart, Raymond. Um, arguably your favorite player. Yeah, he's pretty close to it. The NFL Network during the game today released a one-minute trailer for this season's A Football Life, and it's an episode starring Steve Young. We finally get the football life for Steve Young. How excited are you, and what did you think about that trailer? I think it's great because it's one of the greatest underdog stories of all time. Because regardless of whether he could match Joe is irrelevant. The fact that he was able to even get a, f- a quarter of that, which is technically what he got, <laughs> is, <laughs> is still very impressive because, because Joe is just on another level of greatness, you know? And, and only one quarterback has even come close and his team had to cheat to get there. Exactly, which, which is why, he, which is much like Harry Potter's adversary, um, how he often went under the the uh, the moniker of he who we shall not name. We shall also not name that individual <laughs> who, who likes to claim who likes to claim the top spot nowadays. But we all know that that's not true. But the, going back to Steve, it's one of the greatest underdog stories of all time because I've actually seen like an hour long documentary on on that I watched on my own time. That you know I actually went out and looked for it on YouTube and found it and said, oh, I want to see this story because I've never seen it before. And I and I I did it because there wasn't a football life on Steve Young, so I was like, I want to watch something. I figured they would have gotten to Steve by this point, but they hadn't. So I went out and found something else. I'm just really excited to see it because NFL Films is such a high quality film studio their production values off the charts their cinematography is really good the shots are great the high, the way they capture the highlights the way they the way they slow it down the way they've got all of this 
backlog of, of classic, you know, I want to see the Vikings run that really kind of put Steve on the map. When that's was, like your play when he was getting like run out of town. That, yeah. that that's what made it so great is because like he was getting run out of town. He was getting booed that same game. They were booing him to sit his ass down the same way they've booed Kaepernick in recent years. And, uh, and at the end of the day, he ended up setting a record that cap ended up breaking by like two yards. But it still doesn't compare to, to the way Steve Young pulled off that same run. Um, but it's cool oh, because it's a really cool story. I'm not going to get into it because I want to let NFL films get into it. But I know the story of Steve Young. And it's pretty remarkable the adversity he went through to get to where he got to and was still able to do what he did is pretty damn impressive. It is. It's very impressive. It gave me chills to see him walking through uh, the remnants of Candlestick Park. He's often compared Candlestick Park to uh, Fenway and, and often compared to that as like this small kind of dingy, dirty little place that magic just always happened. It started with the catch. It ended with the interception, the pick at the stick. And that place was magical. And I miss Candlestick. And seeing him walk through the rem- remnants gave me chills. Seeing the moment where they were sh- playing, the moment of him raising up and, and the final score, 28-38, Niners defeated the Cowboys to, to head to their to their fifth Super Bowl. And to hear uh, John Madden talking about how he's the best and you know he's fighting the monkey off his back. And to see Steve's face as he's watching the film in the theater, it just gave me chills. I am so excited. And if you guys haven't seen it, it's on NFL.com, you can, NFL Network. You can see the trailer up. I encourage you to see it and check it out. Raymond, let's definitely post that trailer to the Goldcast. Totally. Right? You know, I think if – I know a lot of Niner fans, we all, we all go to Joe first, rightfully so. But here's the thing. If you ever had any kind of doubt or if you never appreciated Steve Young – the same way you did, Joe, which will obviously there will always be a disparity. However, I think watching this film will really help people understand what he went through. And not only to so if you see that and then couple it with what he was able to accomplish, you're going to appreciate him almost almost on a similar level as Joe. You know, because Joe didn't necessarily have a quarterback controversy to come into. He just kind of came in and was expected to take over for a shitty team. Where Steve yes. was supposed to come in and take over for a great team and take over for a great quarterback, and he knew that too. He knew that he didn't. He never. Steve Young never shysted on Joe Montana. He never talked shit about Joe Montana. He was just competitive, competitive, and as greedy as Joe Montana to prove himself. Yep, exactly. So we'll we're definitely going to do a full review once that episode comes out. I can't wait. Uh, final note: we're way over time, but final, final, final note. I wanted to get this out. Uh, our father, the the unofficial fourth member, Rudy Slice Jr., did mention one story that we did not touch on last week was that Eddie D. upon being upon you know it being announced that he was entering the Hall of Fame, he received a package from Bill Walsh's son, and when he opened the package, there was a, a small football helmet and a picture, and then a signed note that said, "Congratulations, I always knew you'd make it." You know, and congrats on being in. And it was was only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. And it was signed by Bill Walsh. And I mean, honestly, that I forgot about that. I don't know how we didn't talk about that first. Straight Obi-Wan Yoda clairvoyance. (laughs) Can how how honestly, how much do you think Eddie D cried when he saw that? He had to just bawl his eyes out that knowing how emotional Eddie D already is and how family oriented he was and how family oriented everybody else was during that era. I'm sure he did. I mean, it, once. It, 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 it choked me up. It gave me chills. And at that moment, you know, what's amazing is that 
he got to Bill talk to Eddie one last time. Yeah. All these years later, like that conversation and that moment was real for them. And it happened in that moment. It's like time travel almost. You know what I mean? It was I don't know if that sounds corny, but it, it, just being really honest about it. The fact that they were able to have that conversation and that Bill was able to congratulate him and that he saved that note and he waited and he sent it and Bill knew and Bill was able to congratulate him in real time. I just I think that's probably the most beautiful story that came out of it. He totally. Same. Bill Walsh, a class act. I, I believe he's the greatest coach of all time. Joe Actually, Montana of coaches. Yeah. Uh, Belichick has called him the greatest coach of all time. Uh, I do believe he's the most innovative. No, no coach would be here. The entire passing game as we know it wouldn't exactly. exist. Exactly. Bill, Bill Belichick Walsh. wouldn't be Bill Belichick if it wasn't for Bill Walsh. Yeah. Bill Walsh is the man. Um, so we're going to end it on that high note. Uh, again, we want to encourage everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Goldcast. Subscribe, like, subscribe, like, subscribe us on YouTube, subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Keep up with every Goldcast. Stay close to the Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash 49ers Goldcast. Raymond updates it constantly with 49er news. Definitely keep up. We like to talk. We like to debate on there. Raymond, tell them everywhere they can find us. You can... Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 49ers Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at 49ers Goldcast. You can also subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher to be on top of the latest and greatest episodes as they become live to the public in all of its glory. And then Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. You can also... Uh, actually, that's it because if we're, uh, my other accounts are for business purposes. I don't necessarily talk sports. There you go. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Rudy Solis third, Rudy Solis 3RD. And you can also find me on Facebook as Rudy Solis. Definitely check out uh, the 49er Goldcast on Twitter as well. We're on, we're on everything. Follow, like, we follow you back. We follow everybody that follows us back. So make sure that you're following us and that you're staying in tune with our gold casts. So, Raymond, I guess that's it for today. We will, we're not going to be here next week, week two, but we will be back week three. Week three, we'll be back. We'll be doing a big recap. Old Man Davis will be joining us. Maybe we'll get Louie on. I know Louie will be here for the regular season, but Old Man Davis will return week three to argue and fight with us. That's right. We are to, we are honoring a special event next week until we won't be around. However, you guys still need to take advantage of checking out the 49ers live on KPX Channel 5 in Denver, August 20th, 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific daytime. Check it out because you're going to want to pay attention to those first and second teams. So you, the first half is the most important. Second half, you're just kind of trying to figure out who else is going to make the roster. That's the importance there. Exactly. So concludes another edition of the 49er Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! We'll see you in two weeks. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. And we are.